President Trump disavows the send her back crowd chant. Democrats lament John McCain a little late. And the squad continues its radical push. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. All righty. So we do have a lot coming up for you today on today's show. And let's just jump right in. So President Trump over the last 24 hours was in a whole lot of hot water. Why? Well, he went to one of his rallies, and this came in the aftermath of tweets that he sent earlier this week. He sent tweets on Sunday, and those tweets, he told a bunch of progressive congresswomen that they should go back to their home countries. The problem being that three of the four progressive congresswomen he was talking about were born right here, and the fourth is a naturalized American citizen. So telling them to go back to their home countries because you don't like their politics, that's not good. That's bad stuff. And then President Trump morphed that argument into, well, what I really meant was, if you don't love the country, you can leave it at any time. Well, that's not an unusual argument. That's had a place in American politics for a very long time. It's not really an argument so much as it is an emotional appeal. If you don't like it, you're free to leave. In fact, Hollywood stars use this all the time. They say, well, you know, if Trump is elected, I'm going to move up to Canada. And then nobody ever actually moves up to Canada. This sort of argument has been used really since the beginning of the Republic. If you don't like it here, you can always take off. No one's keeping you here. Okay, that's that, that argument is not particularly objectionable on its face. The argument that is more objectionable is go back to your home country. That's objectionable, maybe xenophobic. But the the President Trump then did a rally. And the rally happened in North Carolina. This happened two nights ago. And the President of the United States was talking about Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar is the worst of the so-called squad. The squad is composed, of course, of AOC and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Ayanna Presley. And Ilhan Omar is the most radical member of the squad not necessarily in terms of her domestic politics, but certainly in terms of the language she uses about the United States, the language that she uses about terror groups, her history of of going easy on, for example, ISIS recruits. She wrote a letter to a judge recommending that people attempting to join ISIS be given more lenient sentences. Her her anti-Semitic comments have been routine and common. And so Trump went after Ilhan Omar on her record. And then the crowd, taking a cue from his original tweets earlier this week, started chanting, send her back. And President Trump didn't say anything at the rally. He kind of just stood there and took it. Now, what the president should have done is he should have immediately stepped in and said, hold up a second. Now, vote her out, right? Not send her back. We're not sending any American citizens back anywhere. And in fact, it's un-American to suggest that the exercise of the First Amendment should subject you to deportation. And that's a, that's a bad thing, obviously. But Trump really didn't know what to do on that stage. So a lot of folks took that as President Trump is cheering it. President Trump is, is fine with it. Well, over the last 24 hours, the president retracted that, basically. He came out against that chant. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about your cell phone plan. So you're probably spending a fortune on your cell phone plan. And you're thinking, why am I spending this much money on my cell phone plan? I'm not using anywhere near the kind of data that I'm receiving for the price. Well, Mint Mobile will provide you the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. With Mint Mobile, stop paying for unlimited data you're never going to use. Choose between plans with 3, 8, or 12 gigs of 4G LTE data. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. Keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch your old wireless bill. Start saving right now with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash Ben. That's M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash Ben. Mintmobile.com slash Ben. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Ben. There's no reason for you to be spending enormous quantities of cash to pay for data that you are never going 
going to use. You could have exactly the same coverage for a fraction of the price. Mintmobile.com slash Ben and get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and the plan shipped to your door for free. Mintmobile.com slash Ben. Okay, so President Trump yesterday did the right thing. And the right thing was for him to disavow this chant. And that is what he did. So he's in the Oval Office. He's doing a presser. And he was asked about this by the media. And he disavowed it. He said, I don't like the chant. And now the media will see as they covered it, the media were not interested in his apology, right? The media are not interested in the walk back. The media want him to continue saying what he, he, what he was saying earlier this week. And they want to continue pushing the notion that Republicans are by and large racist and xenophobic and want to send everybody who doesn't look like them back to their home country and all this kind of stuff. So here is Trump's response to the send them back chant. Now, if you're a good American, you should be pretty happy that the president backed off of this because whether you like Trump or not, it is not good for our politics, as I pointed out repeatedly yesterday on the show. It is very bad for our politics to have political leaders saying things that are morally indefensible. So if a political leader or, or going along with things that are morally indefensible. So if a political leader backs off of that thing, that's good for the country, generally speaking. Here was President Trump doing that yesterday. Good for him. This is the right thing. He, he, he You don't get full credit because your earlier tweets sort of led this thing off. And you also don't get full credit because you didn't stop the chance. But you certainly get partial credit for doing the right thing now and at least saying to your own base, let's not make this thing a thing at our rallies, right? How about how about not every rally includes a send them back chant because come on. Okay, so here is President Trump backing off of it. When your supporters last night were chanting, chanting send her back, why didn't you stop them? Why didn't you ask them to stop saying that? Well, number one, I, I think I did. I started speaking very quickly. It, it really was a loud, I disagree with it, by the way. But it was quite a chant, and uh, I felt a little bit badly about it. But I will say this, uh, I did, and I started speaking very quickly. But it started up rather, rather fast, as you probably noticed. So, so you'll tell your supporters never to well, say I, that Well, I would say that. I, I was not happy with it. Uh, I disagree with it. Uh, but again, I didn't say, I didn't say that. They did. Okay, so there is Trump backing off of it. And, and listen, Trump's followers know the cue, which is cut this bleep out, right? Stop that right now. I don't like it. Now, did President Trump stop it in his tracks? No, I pointed this out yesterday. Okay, there's not a great excuse for that. It is true that if you look at his body language, normally, if you watch any Trump rallies, when people were chanting, lock her up, the president basically would walk away from the microphone and then he would proceed to kind of conduct the audience or not along with the chant, or clap along with the chant. You didn't see any of that from President Trump. That doesn't mean that he was actively putting a damper on it. He obviously was not. But now he's actively putting a damper on it. Are the media, though, going to take that? Of course not. So CNN ran a headline that said, Trump claims to disavow chant. He, he, no, no, he, he disavowed it. A disavowal is a, is a pattern of speech in which you disavow something. You can't claim to disavow something without disavowing the thing. Right? If I disavow white supremacy, you can't say Shapiro claims to disavow white supremacy. Shapiro disavows white supremacy is the headline. Shapiro disavows whatever. Like a disavowal is where you disavow a thing. CNN wasn't having any of that. CNN's Chirons yesterday ran things like president disavows the disavows chant while at the same time maintaining tweet from Sunday. Like, okay, why don't you actually just report what he did yesterday? You can give the context, that's fine. But your Chirons don't actually have to be 500 word essays about why you find his words insufficient at this point. That's not journalism anymore. Now you're editorializing. So the the greatest of objective reporters among us, Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo, decided that they were going to demonstrate 
that the president didn't do enough at the rally, which is true. He didn't do enough at the rally. But then he came out and he said, okay, this is bad. I don't like it. So instead, on CNN yesterday, they said, watch, we're going to stay silent for 13 seconds. This is what it looks like when you don't say anything for 13 seconds while people say bad things. Just bear with me. Don't say anything. Don't say anything for, and I'm going to start the stopwatch. Just don't say anything. Let's see. Yeah, now they're just sitting there. Chris Cuomo's sipping his coffee. So is Don Lemon. And they just sit there for 13 seconds. And this is supposed to, it's the 13 seconds that mattered most in American history. And there's Chris Cuomo doing his chin, doing his hair. It was a long time, wasn't it? Long time. I had several different thoughts about you during that moment. <laughs> do, you, do you get my point? I do, 100%. And he's lying. He's lying because he liked it. He needs it at this point. Mm-hmm. And he could have stopped it, but he didn't. He wants those people to have their outrage fed, and then he wants the rest of us to think what he does isn't that outrageous. So question, why didn't he just double down on it? I mean, President Trump is very fond of doubling down on things. So if he liked it, he couldn't make it the staple at every single one of his rallies. Remember, he did that. Listen, the media had a a bleep fit when it came to lock her up, and the president did not back off lock her up. The president started chanting lock her up. Hey, Donald Trump is not famous for backing off things that he likes. He moves on them like a bleep, right? I mean, like this is... (laughs) When President Trump likes things, he goes after them. This is not a typical President Trump move is to back off this this comment. Okay, but what is most disingenuous about the media coverage of President Trump backing off of this and and telling his crowd to stop all of this is the routine that the media do now with regard to John McCain. And this is how you got Trump. It's funny, I was having a conversation with somebody last night and he was asking, why is it that so many Republicans are having a tough time disavowing bad things that Trump says? And I said, because... Most Republicans and most conservatives feel that they are not going to be given credit for doing the correct moral thing. And that, in essence, we're not going to trust you guys to make those judgments because the fact is that you would rip any Republican the same way that you are ripping Trump. You just hate Trump more because he doesn't have your highfalutin speech patterns. And and you you can see a pure example of this. So the media yesterday, they they were aghast at Trump, of course, which I was not pleased with President Trump. You go back and listen to the show, obviously. But... The media were aghast at President Trump. And what did they start doing? They started talking about the, the wonders of John McCain. Now, when I talked yesterday on the program about John McCain and John McCain shutting down a person at one of his rallies who suggested that Barack Obama was a Muslim, I said that was the right thing to do. Good for John McCain. Now, I can say that because I supported John McCain in 2008. When he ran against Barack Obama, I voted for him. I stumped for him. I raised money for him. The members of the media who are now coming out of the woodwork to praise John McCain, well, a little late. Guys, a little late, because it turns out that wasn't what you were saying at the time. We'll show you in just a second. And then you wonder why Republicans don't trust you when it comes to your judgment on racism. Why we think that you're a bunch of political phonies and hacks when you express your outrage at what the president is saying. I'll explain in just one second. First, nowadays, there are so many different types of car on the road. There's really no way the auto parts store can stock everything. Why wait in line to find the right part that's probably overpriced when you can do it all with the convenience of Rock Auto. Listen, the internet was made for a lot of wonderful things. Why not for auto parts? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you spend up to twice as much for the same exact auto parts? They have amazing selection. They have great prices, reliably low prices. 
All the parts your car will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. Again, rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us box? So that they know that we sent you. Write Shapiro again in that. How did you hear about us box in rockauto.com? So that they know that we sent Okay, so as I say, the media aghast at President Trump and playing and paying tribute to John McCain. So here is Don Lemon last night saying, where is John McCain? What, whatever happened to Republicans like John McCain? I'm so tired of the media. But by the way, I think it'll be hilarious when eight years from now, let's say, let's say that Donald Trump wins. And then there's another race after, after that. And then the Republican loses. So we've, we've, you know, things switch as they do tend to every eight years in the United States. It's hard to win a third term for your party as Hillary Clinton proved. Let's say that they switch. So 10 years from now, when another Republican is running for the nomination in for, for the twenty for the 2028 election. It's going to be highly, highly entertaining watching the media talk about the halcyon days of President Trump and his moderate policy proposals and the fact that he was willing to reach across the aisle because this is what the media do with every Republican. As soon as they are no longer a threat, then they become wonderful people again. So here is John McCain. Here is Don Lemon on John McCain last night. I want everyone to be respectful and let's make sure we are because that's the way politics should be conducted in America. So let's make sure that we're all respectful. Those were the days, huh? The crowd booed Barack Obama. Senator McCain got them cheering when he said, being respectful is the way politics should be conducted in America. Boy, that would be nice to hear again. Seems like an awfully long time ago, doesn't it? Now, I'm not suggesting that American politics has always been respectful. I'm not that naive, but there was a time when at least people tried, right? Okay. Yeah, oh, John McCain. Oh, people tried. People, listen, I, agree, I specifically mentioned this incident on yesterday's show. John McCain handled that correctly when it came to Barack Obama being called a Muslim. Flashback, October 11, 2008. There's a man named Don Lemon. You may have heard of him from five seconds ago on CNN. And Don Lemon tweeted this out. The question is, do you think the McCain campaign is creating a political environment that is inciting hate and hate speech. The same, the same Don Lemon, who's talking about the civility and wonder of American politics in 2008 and the fundamental decency of John McCain, was suggesting that Republicans and John McCain's specific campaign was creating a political environment, this is a direct quote, is creating a political environment that is inciting hate and hate speech. In other words, you want to know why Republicans don't trust you guys on this crap? Because you say the same exact crap about every Republican, including John McCain. So you're going around praising John McCain as this wonderful, civil fellow. And when it came to comedy in the U.S. Senate, when it came to treatment of his political opponents, I think there is truth to that. But you didn't treat him like that. And you're full of it now. You're full of it now. And so what Republicans say is, listen, if we're going to get treated like garbage and we're going to get treated like we are inciting hate and hate speech, then you might as well have a president who's going to punch people in the face. That's how you got Trump, guys. This is how you got Trump. And, and this was the meme yesterday. You had Chuck Schumer yesterday on the floor of the Senate saying, listen, what President Trump does is so vile and so terrible and so unprecedented. I lament the fact that there is no John McCain anymore. John McCain is long gone. What are we supposed to do? What was shouted and chanted at the rally last night without the president upbraiding them? was despicable, despicable. The only way President Trump will stop is when Republicans on the other side have the honor, the decency, the courage to tell him to stop. 
History will show this. This is a moment. There's no John McCain anymore. When this kind of bitter racism emerged at his town hall meeting. Okay, there's no John McCain anymore. Amazing. Rejected and, and it. Let me, let, me just, let me just flash back, okay? I'm going to flash back to the 2008 race. John Lewis, the civil rights icon and Georgia congressperson, was, he was tapped by John McCain as a possible advisor. Here is what John Lewis said about John McCain at the time. And now John Lewis, of course, leading the charge against Donald Trump. Here's what John Lewis, the civil rights icon, had to say about John McCain circa 2008. This is October 11th, 2008. Again, quote, this is from Politico. Civil rights icon and Georgia congressman John Lewis is accusing John McCain and Sarah Palin of stoking hate, likening the atmosphere at Republican campaign events to those featuring George Wallace, the segregationist former governor of Alabama and presidential candidate. McCain's campaign has responded with a statement in the candidate's name, urging Barack Obama to repudiate Lewis's comments. Did Barack Obama repudiate Lewis's comments? No, no, he did not. Barack Obama sat back and allowed John Lewis, without any sort of blowback, to suggest that John McCain was running a George Wallace-like campaign. So do I want to hear from you guys now what a wonderful guy John McCain was and how John McCain was the model for American politics? And oh, for the days of John McCain. No, you guys can shut the hell up. You can shut right up because you were crapping all over John McCain. I was there at the time. I remember it. You were crapping all over it. You were suggesting that he was a racist and a bigot. You were suggesting that he was a, a vicious campaigner who was attempting to knife innocent Barack Obama in the back. You did all of this. And then you wonder why Republicans were like, well, that's not even true about John McCain. So if you're going to say it over and over about us, then we may as well get a guy who will club you. This is how you got Trump. Nobody's going to play by your rules if you don't abide by your own rules because your, your rules don't exist. Your rules are a bunch of nonsense. John Lewis said, George Wallace never threw a bomb. He never fired a gun, but he created a climate and the conditions that encourage vicious attacks against innocent Americans who are simply trying to exercise their constitutional rights. Because of this atmosphere of hate, four little girls were killed on a Sunday morning when a church was bombed in Birmingham, Alabama. Senator McCain and Governor Palin are sowing the seeds of hatred and division, and there is no need for this hostility in our political discourse. He said that about John McCain in 2008. John McCain. And, and it's the exact same language. They are now calling Donald Trump, George Wallace. You keep saying everybody's George Wallace. Eventually, people conclude that no one is George Wallace. And you guys can just, you can walk, take a long walk right off a short pier. Now, this is particularly true when you look at the contrasting coverage between how the media cover Donald Trump and how the media cover the radicalism and hate emanating from the Democratic Party. So Donald Trump tweeted out this morning. He tweeted out, quote, it is amazing how the fake news media became crazed, quote-unquote, over the chance to send her back by a packed arena, a record crowd in the great state of North Carolina. You gotta love how President Trump, under all circumstances, will never miss an opportunity to point out that he has amazing crowds. Says, but is totally calm and accepting of the most vile and disgusting statements made by the three radical left congresswomen. Mainstream media, which have lost all credibility, has either officially or unofficially become a part of radical left Democrat Party. It is a sick partnership, so pathetic to watch. They even covered a tiny staged crowd as they greeted foul-mouthed Omar in Minnesota, a state which I will win in 2020 because they can't stand her and her hatred of our country. And they appreciate all that I've done for them, opening up mining and much more, which has led to the best employment and economic year in Minnesota's long and beautiful history, unquote. President Trump ain't wrong about this. He's not wrong about this. The media attention to the crowd chant, which was appropriate. It was appropriate, but you know what is inappropriate? Ignoring the fact that 
there was a terrorist attack on an ICE facility over the weekend. And the person who committed that terrorist attack was a member of Antifa. And that member of Antifa was suggesting that the ICE facility was actually a, quote, concentration camp. And then a bunch of top Democratic Congresswomen, the members of the squad, were specifically asked by the rebel and the Daily Caller whether, in fact, they would condemn that ICE terror attack. And the only one who eventually said she might condemn acts of violence is AOC. All the others have remained silent. There is no further comment from Ayanna Presley or Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib about any of that. And still, no one has asked AOC about the incitement charge. So everybody on the left keeps saying that Donald Trump is inciting violence. Everything he says incites violence. He's going to be responsible for millions of deaths. He's going to be responsible for an enormous number of, of people getting hurt. He's going to be responsible for violence upon violence upon violence. Right? This is the line about Donald Trump because of his rhetoric. A person walked over to an ICE facility and tried to blow it up with a canister of fuel and was holding a rifle and was shot to death for his trouble while quoting AOC, and they won't even ask AOC about it. Now, I don't think AOC is responsible for that guy. And I don't think that unless Donald Trump is calling for violence, he's responsible for violence. But that's not the media's standard, and that's not AOC's standard. So when it comes to imbalance of coverage, that would be the imbalance of coverage right there. Which is a bigger story? An attempted terror attack on an ICE detainment facility? You know, an actual act of violence? Or the president saying stupid garbage, as is his usual want on all days ending in why? I understand it's a big story when the president says something, particularly when he sets a new low. I get it. I covered it this week. Go back and listen to the show. I'm just pointing out there's a slight imbalance in political coverage, and so is President Trump, and he is not wrong about this. And as we will see, the squad is not letting up. The squad is not letting up in any way. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about something that we can all agree is awesome, and that, of course, is saving cash. Honey is a free tool that you download to your computer's browser. While you shop online, Honey scans the internet for coupon codes and other discounts, and then it automatically applies the coupon with the biggest savings to your cart at checkout, just like magic. So you might ask, how do I know Honey has my back? Does it really work? Well, you know, because I'm telling you, number one, I use Honey myself, and it saves me money nearly every time I shop. Not only did Honey test over 1 billion promo codes last year, it actually applied 185,067,086 working codes to people's orders. That is a lot of real-life savings. And again, you should be using Honey because I use Honey. It is free to use. It is easy to install on your computer in just two clicks. You don't have to overthink that promo box again. Go searching around on the random websites for the promo code. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Ben. Again, that is joinhoney.com slash Ben. J-O-I-N honey.com slash Ben. Honey, online savings simplified. No reason for you to be spending full price on products when Honey can literally be doing your shopping for you. It works on all the major shopping sites, including Amazon, which is where I tend to shop. Check them out at joinhoney.com slash Ben. That's joinhoney.com slash Ben. So as, I, so as Trump says, and as I say, the media imbalance in coverage between what Trump says and what members of the Democratic Party say, astonishing. Now, I'm not saying that Ayanna Presley should receive the same kind of press that the president does. He's the president. She's a congressperson. But you would think there might be a story in the mainstream media when Ayanna Presley says, over the last weekend, that black people aren't black unless they agree with her, gay people aren't gay unless they agree with her, and Muslim people aren't Muslim unless they agree with Ilhan Omar. You might think it would receive, you know, like a little more coverage when, for example, AOC suggests that ICE agents are blatant racists. You know, the weekend after a terror attack on an ICE facility. So yesterday, AOC was speaking with Kevin McAleenan, who is the acting head of the Department of Homeland Security, and she went after ICE agents labeling 10,000 of them racist. 
Now, she's doing this on the basis of bad information. And I'll explain what she gets right, which is not much, and what she gets wrong in just a second. But here she is maligning ICE agents across the country as racists and bigots and brutality-laden pieces of human debris. And th- this is pretty vicious stuff that she is saying about, you know, the people who are putting their lives on the line to protect people on the border and also to, who go out of their way to save thousands of lives every year for refugees who are trying to cross the Rio Grande and have to be escorted to ports of entry. Here is, here's AOC going after Kevin McAleena and after ICE agents more generally. We, we do not have a dehumanizing culture at CBP. Okay. Uh, this is an agency that rescues 4,000 people a year that's mm-hmm. absolutely committed to the well-being of everyone that they interact with. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't Ms. believe there's a dehumanizing culture. And Mr. Secretary, I'm, so you don't think that having 10,000 officers in a violent, racist group sharing rape memes of members of Congress points to any concern of a dehumanized culture? Congresswoman, those posts are unacceptable. They're being investigated, but I don't think it's fair to apply them to the entire organization or that even the members of that group believed or supported those posts. Okay, McAleenon is totally right about this. So here is what happened. Okay, according to ProPublica, they said members of a secret Facebook group for current and former Border Patrol agents joked about the deaths of migrants, discussed throwing burritos at Latino members of Congress visiting a detention facility in Texas on Monday, and posted a vulgar illustration depicting AOC engaged in oral sex with a detained migrant, according to screenshots of their postings. All this, of course, is disgusting. ProPublica says in one exchange, group members responded with indifference and wisecracks to the post of a news story about a 16-year-old Guatemalan migrant who died in May while in custody at a Border Patrol station in Westlaco, Texas. One member posted a gif of Elmo with the quote, oh well. Created in August 2016, the Facebook group is called I'm 1015 and boasts roughly 9,500 members from across the country. 1015 is Border Patrol code for aliens in custody. The group described itself in an online introduction as a forum for funny and serious discussion about work with the patrol. Remember, you are never alone in this family, the introduction said. And then they talk about these specific comments. Okay, so were these comments that were posted by the moderators? No, these were not comments posted by the moderators. On Facebook, like this demonstrates such an ignorance of how Facebook works. On Facebook... When you have a group like this, there are the moderators who post stories, and then there are people who comment under the stories. And you can go through virtually any Facebook page. I promise you, AOC's Facebook page too. And you can find people who are members of her page or fans of her page who are commenting on stories and saying vile, disgusting things. Does that malign all of AOC's Facebook page or all of this Border Patrol Facebook page? No, it doesn't. Because no one reads the comments on Facebook. Or if they do, it's like five people reading each other's comments. So is there a subset of people who ought to be called out and prosecuted and disciplined, whatever the law demands? Of course. And by the way, McAleenon says that. He says people have been put on administrative leave. People have been put on desk jobs. People are being punished. We are investigating all of this. But she's maligning 10,000 Border Patrol agents and former Border Patrol agents because there were like five posts, apparently, that were ugly on on a Border Patrol page over the course of years, presumably. I mean, the head of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, Joaquin Castro, reviewed the Facebook discussions, was incensed. He said it confirmed some of the worst criticisms of Customs and Border Protection. These are clearly agents who are desensitized to the point of being dangerous to migrants and their co-workers. So AOC takes some bad comments on a Facebook page and then uses it to smear the entire Border Patrol agency. Now, AOC then turned back to Trump, and she says that Trump's ugly comments this week put millions of Americans in danger. So she is the one who's constantly suggesting that if you make a comment politically that does not call for violence against anybody, they're putting millions, of not, not just her, not just Ilhan Omar, millions of Americans in danger. Right? So here she is explaining that Trump is inciting violence, basically. Here she is. 
millions of Americans in danger last night. His rhetoric is endangering lots of people. This is not just about um, threats to individual members of Congress, but it is about creating a volatile environment in this country through violent rhetoric that puts anyone... Okay, except that she has like accused Ilhan, Nancy Pelosi of exactly the same thing, right? She Just last week, she and her friends went on national TV on CBS and they made exactly the same claim about Pelosi. They said that Pelosi was creating incitement of violence against members of Congress. Here's the question for AOC. So if Trump's rhetoric, which admittedly was bad earlier this week, I have said that one million times this week. I can't say it any more times this week. I mean, I can, but it would get boring at a certain point. You know my opinion on this. I hit him as hard as anybody, right or left, over the chance at the rally yesterday. Everyone knows this. This is undeniable. Okay, so she says that that sort of language leads to violence. Again, there was an ICE attack. There's an attack on an ICE facility by a person quoting AOC last weekend. And she's back out there suggesting that Homeland Security agents and Border Patrol agents across the country are systemically desensitized to violence and are basically violent racists. And no one will ask her a question about it. No one. You think maybe that's why so many conservatives are just discounting whatever the media have to say, even when the media are making a proper criticism of President Trump? Because they say, listen, your criticism of President Trump comes in the context of you being smear artists. And it doesn't just, it's not just limited to AOC. And Ilhan Omar, she's going after Trump this week. But where is the media coverage of Ilhan Omar's radicalism? So here's Ilhan Omar yesterday being surrounded by media and declaring that President Trump is a fascist. Okay, you may not like President Trump's rhetoric. I don't like President Trump's rhetoric a lot of times. But if President Trump were an actual fascist, do you think that Ilhan Omar would be able to run around the country saying that President Trump was an actual fascist? The mark of fascism generally is not allowing your political opponents to call you a fascist all that often. Now here's Ilhan Omar making that case. We have said this president is racist. We have condemned his racist remarks. I believe he is fascist. I want to remind people that this is what this president and his supporters have turned our country that is supposed to be a country where we allow democratic debate and dissent to take place. And so this is not about me. This is about us fighting for what this country truly should be. Okay, so President Trump is a fascist. Important to point out at this point that Ilhan Omar has stood against sanctions against both Venezuela as well as Iran. So when it comes to actual fascism on planet Earth, she seems pretty okay with it based on, the, based on country of origin. The only countries that she seems pretty down on in the leadership of those countries, she really is not fond of President Trump, obviously. And he's not fond of her either. But calling him a fascist is obviously untrue. And she hates Israel, right? She's, so this is the part where it, it becomes maddening. So Ilhan Omar pursued what is indeed an anti-Semitic trope yesterday. Not, not even a trope. It was an anti-Semitic policy. Not anti-Semitic, just by my lights. Anti-Semitic by the lights of Nancy Pelosi, who a month ago said in front of AIPAC that BDS, boycotts, investment, and sanctions from Israel is anti-Semitic policy, that it is bigoted policy. Well, yesterday, Ilhan Omar sponsored a resolution not only backing boycotts and divestment and sanctions against Israel, but comparing Israel to Nazi Germany from 1933 to 1941. You know, the place that killed all the Jews? She compared the Jewish state to the place that killed all the Jews. That, has she been asked a question? Like, no one asked her about this. How? How? How is that not a top-line story? I mean, she is at the top of the news, and the president is making the case she's an anti-Semite, and the media are like, no, she's not an anti-Semite. She's just awesome. Well, wouldn't you... Ask Nancy Pelosi whether she just pursued 
this is it's mind boggling. It is mind boggling how bad the media are at their jobs and how biased they are at their jobs. The media spent yesterday defending Ilhan Omar from legitimate critiques like her anti-Semitic comments. No, she's not an anti-Semite. How dare you take her out of context? And then she's critiqued over her history of possible immigration fraud. Not that she defrauded the government in immigrating here, but the possibility that she defrauded the government in concocting a scheme so she could bring her brother over to the United States illegally. There's some fairly decent evidence of that uncovered by David Steinberg over at PJ Media and reported by the Minneapolis Star Tribune. I mean, there are open questions about this. Jim Acosta at CNN. And ladies, find you a man who loves you like Jim Acosta loves Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta over at CNN responded to people asking questions about this by saying, well, she denied it. Well, she denied it. When was that a journalistic standard? She denied it. You guys are literally going around saying that President Trump didn't disavow a statement that he disavowed because he claimed to disavow the statement. But she, it, she just denies it outright. And like, oh, well, I guess case closed then. I guess we're done here. And when it comes to her own anti-Semitism, you've got people in the media who continue to defend Ilhan Omar and AOC, her fellow traveler, and Rashida Tlaib, who is also an anti-Semite, and Ayanna Presley, who expresses bigotry publicly. And then suggest that all these people, you know, they are, they are the best that America has to offer. The be- when Trump drives you this crazy that the squad become your squad, Trump's going to win that battle. He is. You guys are making a big mistake. You want to alienate the suburban women? Great way of doing that is embracing the squad. Which, who are, who are, the more Americans see of the squad, the more unpopular they're going to be. The only reason that they're at single digits underwater is because only about 50, 60% of Americans even know who these people are, except for AOC. No one knows who Elhan Omar is. No one knows who Rashida Tlaib is. No one knows who Ayanna Presley is. When they start hearing their comments, they ain't going to like it very much. They're not going to like it particularly a lot. And Ilhan Omar, I mean, this is the game that Ilhan Omar is, is playing. So Ilhan Omar, how radical is Ilhan Omar? So yet, not only did she sponsor this BDS resolution, she then announced that she was going to travel to Israel. The only reason she did that is because what she hopes to do is provoke Israel into denying her entry. Israel has laws on the books that deny entry to people who are going to propagandize on behalf of the destruction of state of Israel. BDS is an anti-Semitic policy directed at the destruction of the state of Israel. By the way, the United States has similar policies that if you want to come in here and talk about the overthrow of the U.S. government, we're not going to allow you to, to come over here and visit. Okay, so Israel has that policy. And the question is whether they allow Ilhan Omar in or not. They probably do. They probably just take the hit of allowing her to run around with Palestinian members of, of Hamas and talk about how evil Israel is. And then they let her go back and all of this. But this is the game Ilhan Omar is playing. And no one is asking Pelosi about it. Forget Ilhan Omar. Why is no one asking Pelosi about that? No one. Meanwhile, the media are just going around talking about how wonderful these women are. They're just, they're just wonderful. So you got Rashida Tlaib, an anti-Semite. Ilhan Omar, not only an anti-Semite, but a radical on nearly every front. AOC, a deeply radical democratic socialist who believes that we're running concentration camps on our border. And Ayanna Presley, who expresses open bigotry. And Gail, and Gail King of CBS talks about how, how much these folks love the country. They're just, they, they are the best that America has to offer. I just met the squad the other day. I don't know them. I had never talked to any of them before that interview and only spent 30 minutes. Not one of them has ever said, I hate America. Not one of them has ever said, I don't want to be here. In fact, I would say they love this country so much. They spoke with such pride about being in the being in Congress. They pointed out where they sat in that room and the bills that they passed and the passion that they have for this country and their people and their constituents. Well, if you sat with them for half an hour and they didn't openly say, I hate this country, well, then clearly they must love everything about America. Clearly, they must, they, they must not be radicals if they didn't come out and just say, let's burn this place to the ground. 
such journalism, incredible journalism. Okay, in just a second, we're going to get to the 2020 Democratic race. We now have the debate breakdown inside the Democratic race because fisticuffs begin anew very, very soon. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about how you can make your home safer. So as you know, I take safety incredibly seriously. I do because like some members of Congress who say that they are targeted on a regular basis, and I believe them, I am also targeted on a regular basis. The FBI arrested someone like three months ago who is basically threatening my life and the life of my family. So I take safety incredibly, incredibly seriously. And that's why I rely on Ring at my home. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. You might already know about their smart video doorbells and cameras that protect millions of people everywhere. Ring helps you stay connected to your home anywhere in the world. So if there's a package delivery or a surprise visitor, you'll get an alert. You'll be able to see, hear, speak to them all from your phone. It's terrific. I mean, Ring is, is one of the ways that I keep my home safe when I'm out of town. As a subscriber, you have a special offer on a Ring welcome kit available right now at ring.com slash Ben. The kit includes a video doorbell and a Chime Pro, which is what you need to start building a ring of security around your home today. By the way, you don't have to worry about just security concerns. It's also a lot of people who are trying to break into your house will ring the doorbell, make sure you're not home, and then break into your home. Ring prevents that from happening because you can pick up. Go to ring.com slash Ben. That's ring.com slash Ben for the special deal. Special offer on a Ring welcome kit available right now at ring.com slash Ben. Go check it out. Okay, so I have a bunch of announcements that I need to make to you. Okay, announcement numero uno. Next month, we are taking our backstage show on the road for a special one-night-only event, August 21st, at the beautiful Terrace Theater in Long Beach, California. I, Daily Wire God King Jeremy Boring, Andrew Clavin, and the execrable Michael Knowles will be there live. We'll be taking questions. We will be talking politics, pop culture, answering your questions from the audience. We're definitely going to focus on, on answering more questions. We're really bad on backstage about answering enough questions, but we'll take lots of your questions. Plus, tickets are on sale right now at dailywire.com backstage. And that includes our limited VIP packages that guarantee premium seating, photos, and meet and greets with each of us, a gift from me. I'm out shopping for you right now. You never know. Am I going to get you some sort of, of scented candle? Am I going to bring back? You, you just don't know. So head on over to dailywire.com slash backstage and get your tickets today. It will be epic. Okay, numero dos. Okay, the second thing that I must announce. Look at this. I'm, I'm learning Spanish. Duolingo, guys. Okay, this Saturday marks the 50th anniversary since we first put A Man on the Moon. Exciting new podcast is out by Esoteric Radio Theater. I've been talking about it all week. It's called Apollo 11, What We Saw. It immediately rocketed to number three on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. It's been in the top 10 all week. It's getting rave reviews from all sorts of wonderful people. Episodes one through three are out right now. Episode four, Magnificent Desolation, drops tomorrow. The host is Bill Whittle. His author, pilot, knows more about NASA than any five human beings that I know. He will give you the entire inside scoop of what it took to get to the moon and what happened when we got there and how things almost went horribly wrong. There is nothing in the podcast about how NASA was full of evil white men and was not equal enough as the Soviet Union was and how there weren't any women in the space capsule or anything. So that, that part you're going to have to go to the New York Times for. But if you actually want the story of what happened with Apollo 11, you're not going to get it better than Apollo 11, what we saw. Subscribe today over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay. The third thing okay, is that we have our Sunday special coming out this week. Our Sunday special this week features the fantastic Ravi Zacharias. So if you are interested in theology, if you're interested in Christianity, if you're interested in Western civilization, you should really listen to our Sunday special this week. This is why you should subscribe. This is why you should spend the 99 bucks a year and get early access to the Sunday special on Saturday. Here's a little bit of what it sounded like when I talked to Ravi. I think morality is good for civil coexistence, but morality alone will not save this society unless we develop an accountability 
to our Creator, not merely for moral reasoning, but for the recognition that life at its core is sacred. Ravi Zacharias is a really deep, interesting thinker. Uh, he, he's, he's terrific to sit with and what a nice guy. So go listen to the Sunday special this week. It really is terrific. Also, I mean, so many announcements, guys. It's that glorious time of the week when I give a shout out to a Daily Wire subscriber today. And it's Twitter user Jenna, who clearly has two of life's greatest blessings to be thankful for. First, a leftist tears hot or cold tumbler. And second, an off the charts, adorable baby boy. I mean, look at that baby. That is a handsome baby. My goodness. In this pic, Baby Harper, who's dressed in a fashionable yellow onesie, is just chilling outside, chilling in Des Moines like Hillary Clinton on some patio furniture while holding the world's greatest beverage vessel and looking like a million. That is a cute baby. Okay, so I'm a sucker for babies. I love babies. And that is that is a cute baby. The caption reads, raised on breast milk and leftist tears. That is some solid momming right there. Solid combo for the baby. Grew up to be big and strong like bull. Fantastic picture. Thank you, Baby Harper and Jenna for your support. That is some awesome stuff. Okay, so go subscribe. 99 bucks a year gets you the annual. That's the one that you want. It also helps us. It protects us against the, the evils of Media Matters and their idiot and their idiot employees who spend all day trolling and trying to find clips they can take out of context so they can attack us and attack our advertisers and, and just be general pains in the ass. If you don't want to embolden those folks, help ensure that our show is brought to you along all the lines that you want us to be brought to you by subscribing and become part of the team. That's how you help us out. We really appreciate it. We're the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty, so moving forward from the Trump versus Ilhan Omar brouhaha to the 2020 race, which seems to have taken a back seat here. And it's fascinating. I was watching the poll numbers as all this happened. So if you watch the poll numbers at Real Clear Politics while all of this was happening, what you see is that Joe Biden is actually climbing again. Kind of fascinating. In the Real Clear Politics poll average, he had dropped down to about 26% as of maybe a week and a half ago, right? As of July 5th, this is two weeks ago, he was down to 26%. And now in the Real Clear Politics poll average, he's up to 28%. And that is because the less people look at the Democrats, the more they're like, you know what we want? Just the moderate guy. Like the guy who seems kind of moderate. How about that guy? Let's do that guy. Now, is 28% enough for Joe Biden to win the nomination? No. I think that Joe Biden is not going to be the nominee. I think that Joe Biden's best day, as I've been saying consistently throughout this campaign, his best day was his first day. That will remain true. Joe Biden has 100% name recognition, and he doesn't even have 30% support in the Democratic primaries. The next debates are not going to be good for him, I predict. The reason being the breakdown of the debates. So the Democrats have decided to do these debates in the dumbest possible way. So what the Republicans did is they tried to, in 2016, is they tried to have debates with the top contenders. And then there was sort of the kids' table. And the kids' table was for the people who, like the Eric Swalwells of the world in the Republican Party, who were going to get 2% in the polls and then they could all debate each other. And maybe one of them would rise up, like Carly Fiorina, and then they would be included in the big person debate. And not, uh, that, that was a much better way of doing it. The Democrats, however, in the name of anti-meritocracy, have decided, because they're not, merit, they're not in favor of merit, they've decided instead that they're just going to basically draw straws for who is in which debate. And there's still one bajillion candidates. The only candidate, shockingly, the only candidate with enough reason to see he's going nowhere was Swalwell. Man, this, this party. So here's how this all breaks down. So there are two debates there are two debates. The first night debate is Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg and Beto O'Rourke, Amy Klobuchar, Steve Bullock, Representative Tim Ryan from Ohio, John Hickenlooper, John Delaney, and Marianne Williamson. So first of all, I will watch anything with Marianne Williamson in it. I don't, I don't care what it is. 
I don't care if it's a special on, on healing oils. I don't care if it's about crystals. I don't care. Marianne Williamson is the best. And I will watch that debate just to watch Marianne Williamson talk about binding the president with chains of love, which is real Fifty Shades of Grey kind of stuff. Real weird. Marianne Williamson is great, and I want more Marianne Williamson on the stage. But people are basically declaring that there is a white person debate and then there is a diverse people debate because every person on that stage is white. So it's Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Now, that's really good for Warren because Warren can go directly at Sanders and continue to carve away at his base. It's bad for Pete Buttigieg because he's going to be a sideshow. Pete Buttigieg is left out of that main battle. Buttigieg has raised an enormous amount of cash. But you want to talk, it's fascinating how the media coverage works here. So Pete Buttigieg raised insane amounts of money. He raised more money than pretty much anybody in the last quarter. And he is polling in the real clear politics poll average at 4.8%. Beto O'Rourke is polling at 2.8%. Beto O'Rourke is considered a giant fail. Pete Buttigieg is considered a giant success. So why? Why? Well, because Pete Buttigieg is intersectionally diverse because he's a gay man. And that means he has to get outsized media attention. He's raised enormous amounts of cash, but that's not translating into anything that looks like success anywhere. In the latest Hill poll, he has 1%, 1. So... In any case, Buttigieg is not really a force in this race. I think that the, the, the Buttigieg boomlet is over. That's going to be about, the first debate will be about Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren going at each other. And Amy Klobuchar going, guys, I'm the only senator in America who wildly outpaces in popularity my party. Why in the world am I not getting anywhere here? And her throwing binders at people. And then it's a bunch of randos and Marianne Williamson, who's the best. Okay, that's, that's debate night number one. Debate night number two is Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So it's the rematch. It's Rocky II, the rematch. So can Biden get up off the mat and go at Harris? He's going to need to. He's going to need to be a lot more adept against Harris. But Biden is now facing down the two-headed attack of Kamala Harris and Cory Booker because Cory Booker is sitting there going, I started this thing, right? I'm the one who attacked Biden first. And then he put me in the other debate where I couldn't attack Biden. So now I want to attack Biden publicly. So Cory Booker is going to bring his angry eyes. I've said that he's like Mr. Potato Head. He brings his angry eyes. He always has to bring his hand, and then he pops him in, and now he's angry, Cory Booker. Angry. So we'll see if Cory Booker and Kamala Harris go after Joe Biden. Biden's going to have to handle himself really well. This is, again, very risky for Joe Biden. I don't think he will because I don't think that he's capable of doing that. He's looking very old out there on the campaign trail. If you've seen video of him, he it's not that that's not a rip on, on his age as a number. That's a rip on how he is performing as a candidate. He is looking doddering. He is not looking stable. He is not looking as though he has this thing under control. He's not looking energetic. There are other old, Elizabeth Warren is 70 and she's looking energetic out there. Joe Biden simply is not. He's got a few years on Warren, but Warren is way more energetic. So Biden versus Harrison Booker. And then there's my, my dude and my boy, Andrew Yang. The, the only candidate with the actual stones to come on the Sunday special. We've invited every single one of these Democrats. None of them will come on the Sunday special, despite the fact that I treat everybody really well on the Sunday special. Go look at my, my, my interview with Andrew Yang. I treated him great because the Sunday special is about exchange of ideas. It's not about attack. It's not about debate. It's about discussion. Then it'll be Booker, Julian Castro, who I guess will just be there. Kirsten Gillibrand, who, eh. Bill de Blasio, who will be very tall and strangle groundhogs. Senator Michael Bennett of Colorado, the only rational person left in the Democratic Party, Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii, and Washington Governor Jay Inslee, who will rant and rave about climate change while being completely useless. So that is the that is the breakdown of the debates. My prediction, continued momentum for Harris, continued momentum for Warren. Biden is going to have to turn into hell of a response in order for him to regain the momentum. Okay, 
Meanwhile, Joe Biden is struggling for his argument. He continues to sort of trot out the same arguments over and over. But here's the thing. Joe Biden, because he is attempting to head off the Democrats at the past, the radical Democrats at the past, because of all of that, Joe Biden is now engaging in exactly the kind of politicking that lost Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election. So here was Joe Biden yesterday being asked about President Trump. And Joe Biden didn't just go after Trump. He proceeded to go after Trump's base. He suggested that people who voted for President Trump are racist. This is exactly the same as when Hillary Clinton suggested that everyone who was thinking about voting for Trump was a deplorable, was a member of the alt-right, which was bull. Right, here's Joe Biden suggesting that Trump's base is racist. How is this a smart electoral strategy? You got me. I don't think it is. Well, I only saw a clip of it. The way he stood there, it didn't seem like it. You'd assume, you can imagine if someone said that when I was speaking, what I would have said. No, stop. Speak up, man. Not after the fact. Not after the fact. Look, this is a game. This is about dividing the country. This is about dividing and, and raising the issue of, of racism across the country because that, that's his base. Okay, so it's racism across, that, that's his base. His base is racist. Good, good pitch there, Joe Biden. Very smart pitch right there. Pretty amazing stuff. And meanwhile, Bernie Sanders is running into some problems of his own. This is a delicious story. So Bernie Sanders has been pushing for $15 minimum wage federally mandated. The House of Representatives just passed a bill that would mandate federal minimum wage of $15. According to the Congressional Budget Office, this would result in a minimum of 1.3 million jobs lost. But sure, we got to talk about minimum wage, so... Why not just pick a random point and say that should be the minimum wage? Only one problem. Quote, Washington Post headline. Labor fight Royals Bernie Sanders campaign. As workers demand the $15 hourly pay, the candidate has proposed for employees nationwide. Whoopsie. Turns out that Bernie Sanders hasn't been paying his folks 15 bucks an hour. Campaign field tires have demanded an annual salary they say would be equivalent to a $15 an hour wage, which Sanders for years has said should be the federal minimum. The organizers and other employees supporting them have invoked the senator's words and principles in making their case to the campaign manager, Faiz Shakir, the documents reviewed by the Washington Post show. So Bernie Sanders not living up to his socialist bona fides, that in his three houses and his unlimited supply of pudding suggests that he may not actually abide by his own dictates. There is a problem for Kamala Harris, too, actually, as long as we are talking about problems for Democrats in the 2020 presidential race. According to the Washington Examiner, Kamala Harris's presidential campaign bio rests heavily on her career as a prosecutor, including six years as California attorney general. But it omits a plea deal her office negotiated for former San Diego Mayor Bob Filner, a serial sexual harasser, which let him escape jail time and avoid registering as a sex offender. I remember this case. I'm from California. We covered it. Bob Filner was trapping women in booths at like the local Denny's and then sexually harassing them in the booth. In 2013, about 20 women accused Filner, a two-decade Democratic congressman turned San Diego mayor, of sexual harassment and misconduct. Some said he put them in, I kid you not, Filner headlocks. Harris's office drew considerable criticism in 2013 for allowing Filner to plead guilty to state charges of false imprisonment and battery against three Jane Doe's in exchange for a light sentence. Filner could have faced up to five years in prison, but the plea bar bar bargain instead gave him three months of house arrest three years probation, and partial loss of his mayoral pension. Not complete loss, so he's still getting paid. Some of the criticism persists today, with past lenient sentences looking less understandable after a swath of prominent men drummed themselves out of public life over sexual harassment episodes. Wait, so here's the thing. If Joe Biden wants to go after Kamala Harris, she is a target-rich environment, but he's actually going to have to go after her. So if she starts with the race stuff again, Joe Biden should say to her, listen, Kamala, 
you and I both know you don't support federal busing. The difference is that I'm honest about my position, whereas you lie about your position. You suggest that because I take the exact same position you do on federal busing and did in the 1970s, that this is because I am a bigot. And yet you today do not support federal busing. And this, and schools are de facto more segregated than they were then. Not de jure. De jure means by law. And so he can go after her on that. He can say, listen, Kamala, you, you purport to be this fighter for the people. You're lying to everybody. You're suggesting the Medicare for all is possible without a middle class tax hike. At least Bernie Sanders is honest. You're a damn liar. He should say to her, listen, you won't even make clear your own position on Medicare for all. You have no less than six times changed your position on private health insurance and whether it ought to be eliminated. You are a person who campaigns on this notion that you are a strong prosecutor who's going to stand up to criminality, particularly criminality directed at women. Well, how about that Bob Filner play deal, huh? What do you got on that? Joe Biden is going to have to aggressively go after her because sort of like in 2016, a lot of Republicans were resonating to the idea that President Trump would be the best person to prosecute Hillary on the stage because he had no limits and he'd say anything. There is a feeling among Democrats that they need the best prosecutor of Trump on that stage too. Biden has not shown himself to be that. He's thrown out the same sorts of lines over and over and over. Quick side note on Joe Biden. Remember that clip we played a minute ago of Joe Biden saying he would have stood up and told the crowd no if the crowd had started saying bad things? He literally told the crowd in 2012 that Mitt Romney was going to put black people back in chains and they cheered. So... No, Joe Biden, I, I don't think that you're innocent in all of this. The Democratic Party, it, it, it's amazing. As I said over the past couple of days, we are now playing a game of hold my beer. Basically, Donald Trump will say, hold my beer, I'm going to do something crazy. And then the Democrats will say, no, no, you hold the beer. I'm going to do something crazy. And then Trump's like, no, 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 I'm going to do something crazy. Hold the beer. And Democrats will be like, well, what if we just embrace the squad? Hold the beer. Does anyone want to win the 2020 election? Like, I really like, does anyone, apparently nobody wants to win. Apparently everybody just wants to yell at each other and club each other with mallets. Does any, this is like who framed Roger Rabbit. Eventually the only one left standing is going to be Judge Doom. Like this is just, it's utter insanity. It's total craziness all the way through. Okay, time for some things I like. And then instead of things I hate, I'm going to do a a little bit of mailbag. So things I like today, Um, as you know, again, I get my relaxation from reading sports books. There's a very good little sports book about, Hard luck, Harvey Haddix. So the greatest baseball game ever pitched was a game in 1959 pitched by Harvey Haddix. He pitched a perfect game. That means that he he got everyone out. He, every single batter he faced, he got out for nine innings. And then he did it for another three innings. He pitched 12 innings of perfect baseball. And then he lost the game in the 13th. So he pitched a perfect game for 12 innings. And then he lost the game in the 13th inning. It's the greatest game ever pitched. And the book is all about that game. And it's it's pretty... Pretty wild stuff. So you should check out the book. Again, Hard Luck, Harvey Haddix, and the Greatest Game Ever Lost by Lou Friedman. If you're a baseball fan, this is for you. Okay, time for a thing I hate. And by that, I mean mailbag. I don't hate the mailbag, so let's just do the mailbag. Mendy says, I'm 24 years old. I recently developed an intimate relationship with someone much my senior. She is 36, almost 37. She is pregnant. I feel heartbroken and like my life is over. I'm not ready for a child and did not see us together long term. She does not want an abortion. I come from a religious family. I've recently gotten into politics. My view on abortion have shifted to fairly pro-life. But when it is myself in the situation, it feels so different. And he says, I understand if you don't read this on your show. I appreciate everything you do and you mean a lot. Thank you for being it. Well, Mendy, I mean, time for some bad news. Okay, the bad news is that obviously actions have consequences. Here's the good news. The good news is you get to be a dad. Being a dad is the best thing in the entire world. I have two kids. 
They are unbelievable. They're going to make your life so much richer. They're going to make your life so much better. And guess what? You being a responsible human being is going to make you a better person. And you have a responsibility with this woman to make a life for your child. It's not about you and this woman anymore. It's about you and this woman and your child. It's about you becoming a better person for having to work around somebody who you may have to learn to live with. It's about you making sure that the next generation is well taken care of. Be a dad to your own kid. Preserve the life of your kid. Listen, not every mistake has to end up being an, a, a life-changing, horrifying mistake. Sometimes the best things in life started as mistakes. I mean, fascinating statistic. You go back to 1930s, 1940s. A heavy percentage, I think, if not a plurality, a heavy minority of all births in the United States were so-called shotgun wedding births. I mean, it was, there were a lot of preemies back in the 1930s and 40s. A lot of people who were getting pregnant and then two months later getting married. And then seven months later, the baby is born. They say, oh, well, look at that. The baby just came a little bit early. That was very, very common in American life. And American life wasn't worse for that when people married people based on the fact that they wanted to raise the child. Now your priorities have to shift. The reason you got yourself in this situation is because you weren't thinking about the future. You weren't thinking about anybody beyond yourself, to be perfectly frank. And now you have to think about something beyond yourself, and that will be very good for you, and it'll be great for your kid. And that's what really matters in the end. Shay says, hey, Ben, are dark thoughts equally as bad as dark actions? Do dark thoughts even count as sins the same way actions do? Thanks, Chase. No, I don't think they do. Uh, I, I think that this, at least in the Jewish view, the answer is no. And certainly in the public policy view, the answer is no. So there are certain dark thoughts that you cannot prevent. Like if I tell you not to think of an elephant right now, you know what you're doing? Thinking of an elephant. So your brain sometimes just goes to dark places. Yeah, but it depends on how much it affects action. I care about action. I can't police what you're thinking. I don't know what you're thinking unless you say it. And I don't know what you're thinking unless you do it. So no, I don't think dark thoughts are the same as dark actions at all. As far as sinfulness, that one's up to God and you're going to have to deal with God on that level because he's the only one who can tell what's inside your head. Paul says, hey Ben, how do you explain God to your kids? It's a tricky explanation. I'm sure kids ask a million questions. Well, the way I explain God to my kids is there is a creator of the universe. You look at the world around you. It seems to have a particular order. The reason that it seems to have rules and laws is because there was a rule maker and a lawgiver. And, there, and because that is true, there are certain actions you can take in your life that predictably will make your life better as a general rule. And God wants you to do that because God cares about you and God loves you because God created you. And what could be a greater act of love than creation? Zach says, hi, Ben. I'm a graduate student who will be graduating in December with my master's in biology. I'm going into forensic science. I'm doing an internship with a forensic lab this coming fall semester. What would be the best way to make the most of this opportunity and potentially turn it into a job after and use it to the market myself post-grad? Thanks. Well, if you're going into a, a, an internship and you're, you're interning in a forensic lab, I mean, get on some papers, obviously. See if you can, you can make connections. I mean, that, that's really how you should be seeking every job at this point. What kind of connections can you make? What kind of resume building can you do? What kind of research can you do? What kind of skill sets can you broaden? That's how you should approach every job. Charles says, hello, Ben. If you could have a Sunday special with one of the founding fathers, who would it be and what questions would you ask? Love the show. It would be Adams, because I think Adams was the most kind of interesting thinker. On the one hand, Adams was uh, a per I mean, he had deep, political and personal convictions. He was somebody who was who was a deep believer in the rights to due process and free speech. But at the same time, when it came to practical governance, he helped pass the Alien Sedition Act. He was president at the time. He had significant arguments with Thomas Jefferson over the nature and role of the federal government. I, I think that he's a really interesting figure. I think I understand Jefferson pretty well, but Adams is a little bit more enigmatic and quite brilliant and a wonderful writer. Okay, final question. Let us see... Carson said, actually, let's do this. 
Um, Ashira says, hi, Ben. Right now, I'm considering going to law school after college. Do you think it's worth investing the time and money if I'm not entirely sure I want to practice as an attorney? Thanks for all you do. Well, you have to assess what skill set you're actually going to receive from law school. I went to law school. I wasn't sure I was going to practice law. I don't. But it taught me to think in a certain way. Also, credentialing does matter. So it matters where you go to law school. So if it's just I'm going to get a law degree and that's about it. And it does the credentials doesn't matter to me and the skill set doesn't matter to me and I may not practice, then no. But if the credential matters and the skill set matters, then sure, that's something that's valuable beyond simply the practice of law. All righty. Well, we will be back here next Monday. I'm, I'm off for the radio show later today, but I will be back here next Monday with all three hours. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Robert Sterling, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer, Jeremy Boring, senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey guys, over on the Matt Wall Show today, Democrats uh, just passed a, a bill that would raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Now, I'm going to explain why uh, not only do I disagree with a $15 minimum wage, I actually think the minimum wage should be zero. Also, a measure that was uh, passed in California a couple of years ago has now made it so that thieves can walk into basically any store, any convenience store they want and steal whatever they want, essentially without consequence. We'll discuss that. Finally, the scariest trailer, scariest movie trailer of all time was released yesterday. Uh, I'm not talking about it. Uh, much scarier than that. And I'll play that for you today on The Matt Wall Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 